Shall we open with the word of prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this word that we can turn to. We thank you for that spirit that you have given that promises that it can lead and guide and open this word. We ask this morning that it would do that, that it would open this word for the speaker and give him strength, and that he could speak, that we could be edified, and that it would open our ears and our hearts, that we could be given faith and trust, and that we could look to you for wisdom, for guidance, for correction. We ask that you would bless our nations and our community, that we could be led and guided in your will, and that we could continue in freedom and openness to fellowship around your word, and that we could be given faith to trust that in spite of the evil that is in this world, that you are in charge and that we could be secure and comforted in that knowledge. We ask that you would give us wisdom and guidance as we walk, that we could be examples to these little ones, to those around us, that hearts could be turned and led to you. We ask that you would lead our hearts in closer union with Christ, that we could be given strength and encouragement. We ask these things in Jesus' name, who's taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Somebody have a song we can continue with?
everybody out on a beautiful Sunday morning. Maybe maybe we're all getting that feeling of spring in the air. I guess I'm trying out this loudspeaker and, and uh, Adam said he set, set it up beside Wilfred so Wilfred doesn't go to sleep. So <laughs> see if it works. Thinking of that song we just sang, Count Your Blessings, uh, Jesus sent those disciples out and and they came back and they were astounded because they said even the, even these spirits are subject unto this, unto this name of Jesus and things they were speaking. And Jesus reminds them, I, I guess you might say they were counting their blessings. Uh, being a part of that. But Jesus reminds them that don't rejoice because of, of these spirits being subject to your message. But rejoice because your names are written in heaven. There's a common understanding, I think it's out there, that that... I guess one definition of a cult is when, you know, any kind of a group or an organization that worships and, and their, their centerpiece is not the Lord Jesus Christ. They're considered to be a cult. So we want to, we want to stay with that for sure. That, that Jesus would be the centerpiece on this, you might say, spiritual table that is being set before us. 
we go there to eat and be filled at this table where Jesus, I, I think of a table set with a, with a beautiful bouquet in the middle. And that bouquet is, is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You want to stay with that. For our text this morning, I'll read from the 12th chapter of John. I guess I spoke on early, earlier in the chapter here not long ago. I'll read from the 44th to the 50th verses, reading these words in Jesus' name. That's a John 12, 44 to 50. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same judge the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment that I, what I should say and what I should speak. And I, and I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Amen. Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be multiplied to each one gathered here this morning, now and forever. Amen. We read in the faith chapter that that we need faith. I refer to this often, as, as you all know. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And then a little later it says, the sixth verse, it says, But without faith it is impossible, impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I guess I have this question, and I, I have the answer also, but I keep having the question. How, how is, where, where does faith come from? How, how does does God just kind of drop it out of the sky and we receive it that way? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God, the Word tells us. Men throughout the ages in all different sects and societies, heathen and, and maybe not so heathen, they all have that understanding that there is a there is a God out there and up there someplace, and they all have that. And, and I can't say every individual, but for the most part, they have that understanding that we have to we have to make God happy. God, God is the Creator of all things. 
and we would want to make him happy. We would want to please him. But man comes up without the enlightenment of this word. Man comes up with almost as many different ways of of pleasing God as there are understandings and people. It says that we to to please God we first must understand that He is. I worked with a fellow off and on for many years around Rocky. He was a drywaller and I was a plumber. And he's he he was a huge man and he, he kind of threw his weight around literally sometimes. People were people were would step lightly around him sometimes, but but uh, I had a I had a relationship with him that w- wasn't that way, and and uh, I didn't talk at length about things of faith. But I I seen him one time in Red Deer long after we both quit our trades, and and I said I want to see you on the other side. <coughs> I ran into him in in chapters in Red Deer one time. He was sitting there, and. Uh, and he says, well, he's an agnostic. Well, that's too big a word for me. But I guess it, he's, by, by using that term, he, he's okay if you're a believer and he's okay if you're not a believer. And that there's, there's both out there. And he, de- he doesn't know for sure what he is. So, this, this, isn't, a, this isn't an understanding and, a, and a, fe- a feeling that is backed by this word of God. That we can we can take it or leave it. It seems to me, and I didn't I didn't accuse him of that, but it seems to me it's a it's a position where we take where we don't have to really take much of a stand on anything. We'll get along with with just about everybody and anybody that comes along. I was watching the news a couple of nights ago, and and of course. I wasn't aware of it, but apparently this is this is Pride Month or something like that. And these famous hockey players that people just worship and adore, they're on there one at a time explaining how they how they support this. And my heart just sinks. It absolutely I just say, How can this be? But it's a sign of our times. They don't believe. And then my heart was lifted just just as much as it sank when two young hockey players and I, I don't can't remember where they were from maybe Toronto or something they spoke up and they said that we cannot support this with our understanding of Christianity we cannot support that and they were brothers and they're on some hockey team and my heart soared it lifted up and I thought. These people are striving to believe. We would call them believers and unbelievers. And, and we know that it's always, it's always been said how the little example of, of a dark room where there's no windows and the lights are shut off and the room gets very, very dark. And you might see a little crack of light under the door coming from some other room. The darker the room is, the more the light shines. And I thought of those hockey players that 
so many of them, vast number of them probably, either support that terrible thing that people fall into, or they don't want to open their mouth and stand for anything, even even if they don't maybe personally support it. But those two brothers that stood up and said, with our Christian understandings and background, we cannot support that. There is a light shining in a dark world. The world's getting darker and darker. And if you're like me, you think, well, your your little light that we sing as, as little children and, and, and uh, sang as little children and our little children sing it just... This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. It shines bright. If you think, and I'm saying this to myself as much as anyone else, if you think your your little light isn't shining very bright, I'll assure you that in these times when things are getting darker and darker, that light shines. We see Jesus here saying that, I don't know if I should say a few things of of what leads up to this, but before this text that I read, I'll just read some of it. people answered him we have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever how sayest thou the son of man must be lifted up who is this son of man then Jesus said unto them yet a little while and the light is with you walk while you have the light lest darkness come upon you for he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth while ye have the light believe in the light that ye may be the children of light these things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from him from them but though he had done so many miracles before them yet they believed not on him that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled which he spake Lord who hath believed our report remember Isaiah cries out and I think most of us can relate to that that I'm a voice crying in the wilderness And it gives you that indication or that feeling that I don't know if anybody hears hears this this voice of mine that's crying in the wilderness. It says it says of Jesus, though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him that the saying of Isaiah the prophet this this what what Isaiah was saying comes true. He's a true prophet. We understand that if 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 we or anyone prophesies something and it, and it just plain doesn't happen, that you're classified as a false prophet. But if you prophesy something, and and prophesying is is really just retelling what we learn and hear in this Word of God. Yes, we could prophesy that Jesus will come again. Well. That's in the Word. And and all this Word is a prophecy. The whole Word. Isaiah 
felt pretty empty and alone in the in a, in a dark world that he lived in. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah, Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. All through the Old Testament we see that with the Jewish nation and, and God dealing with them and, and so patient with them and says, just turn from your ways and my arm will be over you, my hand will be over you, outstretched over you. And we know how they, through the centuries, it didn't happen overnight, but through the centuries, they came to him and then they fell away and they came to him and they fell away. And this is a this is the nature of man. I'm not up here to say I would be any different. Because I have that same nature. Isaiah would, his greatest desire would be that he, he could help these people to a, a place of conversion in their hearts. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. We read in the sixth chapter of Isaiah, the first few verses of his own conversion, he sees the power and the glory of God and the size of God. And what does it do? It reminds me. It reminds me of my sin. Is the way that it comes out in Isaiah's account of that. Well, what do we do with sin? We put sin away. We believe in the redeeming work of Jesus that Jesus has accomplished a work that none of us can accomplish on our own we're not the son of God for the first, in the first place we don't live a perfect life like he did we don't live a life of 33 years and not making any mistakes I, I'm aware that there are people out there that, that claim they never make any mistakes. They, they do it right. They're not too familiar with this word. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogues. Synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Their hearts were in this world their hearts were not set on heavenly things and spiritual things and Jesus Christ as I mentioned in the first place was not the centerpiece of their understanding Jesus cries with a loud voice "Believe he that believeth on me believeth not on me but on him that sent me we speak of the triune God the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and the Father sent the Son into this world to live and teach and, of course, die for our sins, die for that cause of, of what, is, what sin has accomplished and, and gained ground in this world. He died for that cause. He rose victorious over that cause. Came back, as we say, from the dead. We're, we're in the 
We're in the Lenten season coming up to Easter, and, and, and the Easter message is so, so overwhelming and powerful. Jesus says, if, if you believe in me, you're not really believing in me, but on him who sent me. Well, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all one. Three in one. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. I looked up a reference to this, and it it may sound to begin with that it's it's not a good reference, but it speaks of Jesus. I can find it here. Jesus tells of my goodness it starts off with the Pharisees having this concern that the Jesus disciples don't wash their hands before they eat why do the disciples transgress transgress the tradition of the elders for they wash not their hands when they eat bread but Jesus answers why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition for God commanded saying honor thy father and mother and he that curseth father or mother let him die the death but ye say whosoever shall say to his father or mother it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, this is the fifteenth chapter of Matthew. And honor not his father and mother, he shall be free. Thus ye have made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye, hypocr- ye hypocrites, well that Isaiah prophesied of you, saying that this people draweth nigh unto me in their mouth, with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear, hear, and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the, out of the mouth this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he said, But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them, alone, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. And it goes on there. Jesus isn't saying that, that if our hands are filthy, it's good to sit down to a meal and eat. But what he's saying is, is that, and, and he, he speaks quite strongly to the Pharisees in in a number of different places on different topics and he calls them the blind leading the blind both are going to fall into the ditch this, 
this is this is what this this text is talking about light that comes into the world and we know that in the in the first chapter of John it's the gospel of John there was a man sent from God whose name was John the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe and I know there's that one place where Jesus says I have a greater witness than John he speaks so highly of John that he says there, there's never been anyone born of woman who is greater than John the Baptist saving himself except himself so he speaks quite highly of John John had a quite, quite a place to play in his short time in this world it says the same, speaking of John, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the, of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, speaking of Jesus, the world was made by him, and the world not knew him not. Here Jesus says, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. The world is made by Jesus. Made made by the word of God. That word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Lord Lord Jesus Christ. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him. We are probably most of us Gentiles. We can say like Paul, not in a bragging way. But when Paul speaks to King Agrippa, he says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to that heavenly calling. We can be obedient or we can be disobedient. We might say God had Paul cornered when he showed him that brilliant light beyond the brightness of the sun and he lost his natural eyesight and his what was it six friends or four whatever there were had to lead him the rest of the way into the city and he was three days without sight we might say that God revealed himself pretty directly and pretty powerfully to him we could still be disobedient with the energy and steam that Paul had behind him he could have still been disobedient with all that he says I was not disobedient that's where we would want our hearts to be turned as many as received him that's us that's every individual across the face of the globe because because Jesus was a Jew and Paul was a Jew and, and most of these scriptures are writing about the Jews and, and the Old Testament speaks of the children of Israel being Jews Jesus when he started preaching or, or when he sent out his disciples at first he says don't just go out any place go out and bring in the lost sheep of the house of Israel 
He had a love for his own nation and people. Later on, we see that Peter is sent to Cornelius, and, and he had that drilled into him so hard, he says, no, he's not going to preach to anybody else. He's not going to go to the Gentiles. I've never eaten anything, or how does he say it about that blanket that was let down with all those different creatures in it in his vision? He says he's never touched anything that is unclean. That's what he was saying. He said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to keep preaching to the, to the Jews and our own people. The voice comes from heaven saying, what I have cleansed, don't call that unclean. Peter had to learn a lesson there. As many as received him, as many as, like Paul, they have been obedient to the heavenly calling. He has given power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's what Jesus talks about in that little few verses I read. Believing in the name of Jesus, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Born of God. And the word, Jesus, this all-powerful word, just spoke and even this world was formed this word says let it be and it happened the creationists believe that and others don't the word is spoken and it happens word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth John bare witness of him and cried saying this was he of whom I spake he that cometh after me is preferred before me and he, for he was before me and of his fullness we have all received in grace for grace for the law was given by Moses Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying here, if we believe on him, we actually believe in God. They are one. And he, would you say he brings himself down and raises God up by that little statement? He that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. There's a place, and I was trying to find it just before church here. I'm not good at finding things. But where, where it speaks of Jesus being all that God is comes out in who Jesus is. If we see God, then we see who sent Jesus. He that seeth me, seeth him that sent me, he says. I am come a light into the world. I just read that in the first part of this book of John. How John came to bear that light. He came with a new message. That Jesus is the new sacrifice. 
the one and only and the very perfect sacrifice. The old, the old sacrifices of goats and lambs and bulls was a forerunner of Jesus' coming. It shed light on people's hearts and lives and understandings that there is... This doesn't take away sins to worship with, with animals and birds and these things. As important as it was, the blood of Jesus takes away sins. This, this blood that he shed for us. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. I read that about about Jesus getting after the Pharisees. That they're... Well, we all know. We, we all have pretty good eyesight. And we know that if, if our eyesight is taken away, how would we, how would we lead anyone in any direction, physically speaking? Here's that one, one lady, is it Fanny Crosby, that wrote so many songs. She was blind. And through those things that were revealed to her through the years she preferred to be blind because maybe and I, I, I don't know maybe it's maybe it's written in some of the songbooks and that these things but maybe our natural eyesight leads us in, in directions that she didn't have the problem that we have she was given a spiritual understanding and a spiritual light and, and the many, many songs she wrote are powerful, well-written, well-worded songs. She didn't have her physical eyesight like we do. Whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. We have to have a spiritual understanding of this light and this darkness. To really understand what this word is saying, the blind leaders of the blind. We don't. We don't want to go that direction. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. I think, and I'll just speak for myself. This word is of such depth and power and understanding that I can hear these words and not understand. Hardly anything. And it's not imperative that I, important that I have to understand it all. That's the beautiful part of of this word and faith. Maybe one is given enlightenment on, on one thing and another is given enlightenment on something else. None of us have all enlightenment. They're probably, probably like me that they feel they have almost nothing. But we have enough to know that the Word teaches us we're sinners. And the Word teaches us that there, there is a way we can overcome that. We overcome it by believing what Jesus has done for us. The redeeming work that Jesus has accomplished for us. We can assure one another with the laying on of hands and that gospel message that your sins are forgiven. Jesus has died and he has conquered all wrongdoing and he has risen victorious over wrongdoing. Yes, your wrongdoing and yes, my wrongdoing. 
is risen, who above, above these things he has put down all that is evil. He comes into this world as a light. And we read in that, in that that I read so often. He that believeth on him is not condemned. For God, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come here to condemn anyone. But that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Condemnation is, is not something we have hanging over us if we believe. But he that believeth not is condemned already. He brings that condemnation on himself because he doesn't believe. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is coming into the world. I hope those two hockey players in that little confession of faith they gave convict some, some people somewhere of, of what they are. Because they were the light. They were, they were a light shining in a dark world. This is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. It's not bad to be under condemnation if you're living in a world of unbelief. That's a good place to be. That we might start questioning and looking into this word and finding out what can be done about it. This is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. No, they don't like it. They find it, find it condemns them. Do we like that? No. But if we come through that battle, we've all experienced it. Battling evil and wrongdoing that's so prevalent in this world, we come through that battle. If we have our sins washed in the blood of the Lamb, the body of believers that no man can number, we read about in, in Revelation. They had those two things in common. They had come through great tribulation. They had, had they had fought that battle with sin. And they came through that battle. And they had their robes washed and made white in the blood of the Lamb. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth comes to the light. There's a drawing there that we can't understand. It goes beyond human comprehension and understanding as far as I can see. I can see. He that doeth truth comes to the light. It's like you're, you're swimming upstream against a pretty hard current. And why? That his deeds may be manifest. We want to confess our sins. That they are wrought in God. Confess our sins and God looks after them. He forgives them. That's all he wants us to do. Is admit that we're sinners. 
And that might be in general or it might be specific things that bother us. I'm sure we've all experienced those things. I came not to judge the world, but to save the world, Jesus says. He that rejecteth me receiveth and receiveth not my words. He hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. If we don't receive Jesus, Jesus says, he doesn't judge us. He doesn't, he doesn't hold us against, hold that against us. He says, there is one that will judge. The word that I have spoken. So, so we don't we don't see a, a, a picture of Jesus in our minds, and and he's this unforgiving judge. The believer sees him as my help and my stay, my all in all, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. The unbeliever, well, he doesn't spend a lot of time worrying about this goes happily along, so to speak, through this world. It says in the last day, he stands before this word. Jesus says, but God gives me what I, what I say. He, he, didn't, he didn't come up with his own ideas and his own opinions like, like we do as, as men and women. So God gives me what I should say. And he says it. The word that I, have spoke, that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Whether, whether this word was spoken in, in our time or 500 years ago or, or sometime between now and the end and, and people disobeyed it or didn't care about it, didn't listen to it, it's going to come up before them on the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment. What I should say and what I should speak. It's hard to believe that a person could spend 33 years here. And, and we can see, any of us in the Bible the, have this red letter edition. It's all the things that Jesus said, and I'm sure it's just a fraction of all that could be could have been written about him. He says, the Father gave me these things to say. And he was obedient to say it. None of us can be that obedient. We don't, we don't have it in ourselves. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. All the words that the Father gave Jesus to speak are words concerning spiritual things they're, they're not teaching us how to put in a crop or how to how to whatever our occupation might be maybe we work in a machine shop or maybe we drive a truck or whatever these words don't instruct us you could go to Nate and Sate to learn those things which I did learn how to put a plumbing system in a building and heating systems 
doesn't say anything about that in the Word. All it says, all it says concerning our natural lives is that we should work and we should live consistent lives. And, and the work and the things that we do to, to make a living here, we, we, we put out as though, as though we were doing it for God. That's, that's what the Word teaches us about, about this life. Jesus says in this last verse, I know that his commandment is life everlasting. The words that he tells me to speak are concerning eternal life. For each individual that has ever walked this earth, that's the most important thing. I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said said unto me, so I speak. So even those like myself and Shane and whoever speaks up here or speaks anywhere, let it be that it would be from the from the Word of God. And and there's a place that says, "Let your speech be as the oracles of God." And and I look at that and I say, I don't know how that can ever happen. You try and stay with this Word by faith. God gives men and and that's one of the mysteries of this whole scripture is God gives sinful men enlightenment on his word to help us ourselves and others reach heaven's shore we go through this life all kinds of trials and temptations and many joys in life too and as we sang in that song, count your blessings. And it's that way that if we, if we take that to heart and start counting, well, we just, we can just count and count and count. And I'm not saying I'm very good at doing that, but that's the way it is. See what the Lord has done for you. Remember what he's done for you. He's lifted us. I remember Brother Carl Judy saying that, that this, this life is like going along with, at, at times it's like going along with uh, 50 pounds of mud on each boot. And, and you can't run a, a very successful race doing that. He lifts us from the mire of this world. And we sing that song, Lord lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher place than I have found, Lord plant my feet on higher ground. Jesus, stand by me. Shall we close with the benediction? May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
Before we sing that, maybe I'll just say grace and you can have fun. Please say grace. As your Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this word. We thank you for this natural food that you so abundantly provide for us. We ask that you would bless us today and bless us to our bodies. In Jesus' name, Amen.